This is an ABC podcast. What do I wish men knew about sex? I want men to know. What do I wish men knew about sex? There's so many things that I wish men would learn. What I wish men knew about sex. I wish that men understood. I wish that men knew. Where the clitoris is. It's not an athletics marathon. And nipples aren't the old-fashioned TV dials. Please don't twist them. Mate, you can learn anything you want about sex if you've got a phone and an internet connection. But you'd be surprised what people don't know about sex. Basic anatomy. Your emotional actions are connected to the physical response. We have three holes. Yes, we have three holes. Like a golf course has three holes or a bowling ball has three holes or... Look, okay, I know nothing about those sports, so bear with me. We asked you, our listeners, what you wish straight men knew about sex. You have to be patient with us. You have to be patient with our body. Not even thinking about hygiene. I wish that men knew that mainstream porn was not reality. Tricky to give men feedback about what they're doing right and wrong in bed. They can get touchy, defensive or even angry. So we wanted to create a safe space for women to talk and for men, if they want, to listen. Don't buy a $5 lube from Woolworths and think that that's going to do the job. It's not a bloody poke bowl. I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies... And fellas, we need to talk about what men need to know about sex. If you're a man who's listening, first of all, welcome. Just let me tell you a quick story. A few times in my life, I've had to tell female friends that they have really smelly BO, and every time they've reacted really defensively and said immediately, no, I don't. So just saying, it might not be you who needs to hear this episode, but it probably is. And if you're a regular lady listener, share this with your brother, your boyfriend, hell, text the link to your creepy uncle. Do the sisterhood a solid and share the knowledge by sharing the episode. And massive disclaimer, we know that every woman's tastes and experiences are totally different, so none of this is about yucking anyone else's yum. But I am going to use specific yucks and specific yums because they're useful. First up, introduction to the female body. Well, first off... In heterosexual relationships, where the clitoris is. If your sexual partner couldn't find your clitoris with a magnifying glass, GPS technology and dolphin sonar, you're not alone. Don't try and penetrate the urethra. It's, it's, it's not there for that. 
It used to be a cliche that men couldn't find the clit. Ha, 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 I don't know where it is. But sorry, that cliche refuses to die because many men still can't find the clit. Or they can find it, but they're in denial about why it's there. Its sole purpose is pleasure. I wish they knew that majority of women are unable to orgasm unless there is some sort of clit stimulation because I've come across a number of men who are super judgmental because I couldn't orgasm and then they felt threatened because I was wanting to touch my clit. Women in heterosexual relationships reported much lower sexual satisfaction than women in same-sex relationships. Meet Alex Draculia, a sex and relationships therapist who, on the day we meet, is radiant with calm acceptance the way that sex therapists often are. The research Alex is talking about is something we've spoken about before on an episode of Ladies We Need to Talk about the pleasure gap. When you're in a same-sex sexual dynamic, a lot of the time being in a woman's body, you know what can and can't be done to another woman's body. There's some kind of lived experience of being in a somewhat similar body, whereas men in heterosexual dynamics just don't have that lived experience and can't possibly know that tissue is tender in certain places or that sensitivity happens at certain stages of arousal because their bodies are just different. The lack of understanding of anatomy is probably what causes the majority of dissatisfaction, at least in my life, which is why vibrators are a great option. Understanding how female bodies experience arousal is an important step in turning up the heat. The sexual response systems work very differently between cis men and cis women. Essentially, an analogy I'll give you is men's sexual response is a lot like the gas stove that you turn on. The flame burns hot and bright straight away. And women's sexual response is a lot like the pot of water that you place on top of that flame. It's going to take some time to reach a boil. But a way that you can kind of foster that growth of arousal is to have those little moments throughout the day, sending a cheeky text, doing the laundry, like reducing stress and then planting horny seeds, you know, like giving them a kiss or a little bum grab or whatever it is that you do with your partner that shows affection. Those are the horny seeds you can plant so that when you finally are in a sexual interaction together, your sexual responses are a little more aligned. I like planting horny seeds. Can you give us some more examples of planting horny seeds? Yeah, of course. So planting horny seeds like sending like sexy photos, giving compliments, noticing little things like, oh, you got a haircut that looks really nice or, oh, is that a new dress? Like it looks beautiful on you or, you know, oh, babe, I've got it. I've already vacuumed. Oh, very horny, very horny. Yeah. Penetrating a woman as forcefully um, as they can is not enjoyable. Something that came up a lot in listener calls and feedback is that sex shouldn't be about violent thrusting. One of the worst attempted events um, I've experienced was from a man mid-30s who thrusted at me like a high-speed train was propelling him like he was trying to kill a spider with his testicles and he basically went straight into my perineum and I said, you're not actually penetrating me, you're giving me an attempted episiotomy. You can Google what that is when you go home. Trying to kill a spider with his testicles? Oof, oof, (laughs) 
fact, Buddy just gets some bug spray. The pace is too fast. We don't just get going like that. And I think it's having the confidence to call that out and to just say, look, I'm sorry, this isn't good for me. Can we slow it down? I just feel like there is a lot of performative sex going on. This is comedian Nikki Britton. Nikki's in her late 30s and is a veteran dater. It's fair to say that when it comes to sex, Nikki has been in the trenches and she has seen some shit. Particularly when it's early days when you're dating someone, I feel like there's a lot of men having sex at you. You know, like they're doing what they've seen in porn or they're kind of trying, throwing all the tricks at you all at once. And I just miss tenderness and listening. You know what I mean? A bit of intimacy. Just a bit of actual intimacy. (laughs) Can we talk about jackhammering? Because certainly there's a lot from our listeners about men who sort of go into this thrusting thing. Mm. I don't know many women who are like, God, I love it when he jackhammers me. So what's going on there? (laughs) I wish I knew. I wish I knew. If you could think of sex being circular... That is, I feel, how women view sex. Our orgasms are cumulative. We, like, it's, it's, it's not forward and back. It's around and around. <laughs> I'm saying use your penis possibly like, well, like a COVID swab. Go around the edges. Have you got all of the possible particles that could be involved in the canal? That's <laughs> That is the worst metaphor that has ever been unfolded in this show. It's a COVID swab now. I'm just saying if you want those real accurate results, you've got to go to the edges. It's positive. But if you're just going in and out and in and out, and maybe this is the perfect moment in history to explain this because guys have a visceral experience of that terrible PCR test that they got where there was someone just shoving a swab up their nose and you're like, please, I don't, there's cartilage in the way. I don't think that's actually the shape of my body. That's, and that is exactly how it feels with jackhammering. Take your time. Slow. I hate it when guys look at you and think you're going to come because they're pounding away. Again, with the pace, it can start off slow. It usually gets fast very, very quick. And you're in that position again where you're having to say, you know, slow down. Pounding away for five or ten minutes and it doesn't actually achieve anything. The ladies have spoken. Jackhammering is one of the great crimes against vaginas and the forgotten victim here, the cervix. Fellas, you are not on a work site in a hard hat and high-vis and it is not your penis's job to smash through the Earth's crust. Our most tender and sensitive body parts do not respond sexily to that kind of brute force. While we're talking about what not to do, Nikki Britton has something else she wants to get off her chest, literally. I don't know that there's a better term for this, but titty sex is not fun. (laughs) I'm sure it must be for men. And I, I have very big boobs, so I feel like often it is something that maybe men have seen on porn or that they've heard about and they're like, here is a cleavage that I could really sink my teeth dick into. And it is 
not fun. There's no pleasure receptor on the sternum for a woman. There is no amount of rubbing your dick between my tits that is going to really make me jizz. Like this, and then it's just awkward because you've got the head of a dick possibly stabbing you in the shin. Are you supposed to catch it in your mouth? I don't know. The logistics are wrong and also the sensation is one of real disconnection, so please, tit sex, no thank you. We talk about pleasure gaps and orgasm gaps, but maybe there's a communication gap. Like, why can't we just say, hey, listen, that doesn't feel good, or "Mm, you're doing it too hard, or that's actually the wrong spot? Here's Alex Draculia, the sex therapist again. I think what makes it hard for people to assert their sexual needs is the conditioning they've received growing up, that they're not entitled to pleasure, that it would be awkward to stop the interaction to kind of, I guess, change things up or suggest different positions or give feedback. There's a lot of people-pleasing that goes into sex, I find. Like, I don't want to hurt their feelings, but I also don't want to put myself in a vulnerable position where I potentially get judged, criticised or even rejected. And you're naked, usually. And you're naked. I know. It's so... It's peak vulnerability. It really is. And then in a couple setting, especially with heterosexual couples, you do kind of get this dynamic where women are a bit afraid to kind of say, mm... Like, yeah, actually, after all this time, you kind of been rubbing the wrong spot. Let's put ourselves in the position of a person who has been with her long-term partner for a a Mm. while Mm -hmm. and she's never spoken up. How does she start that conversation without making him feel like he's being tricked or hoodwinked? The way that you can initiate a conversation, even if it's been decades of avoiding it, is to have the conversation outside of a sexual interaction. It can just be like at the end of the day over a glass of wine, you can kind of just say, you know what, I actually love it when you are kissing my neck and then you pull me in really close. Or actually, I love it when you, you know, do the dishes and turn around and like grab my ass. It's actually creating a conversation to share those those kind of smaller moments that lead and help to build arousal and desire. And I notice, Alex, that you're never saying, I hate this thing that you do. You're really emphasising the positives to build on that first in the conversation. Yeah, I think that's a good way to start is to share what you notice works for you. You don't have to know everything. You can also say, I don't actually know what I want. I'm feeling a bit lost, but would you be willing to explore this alongside me? And then you can kind of say, by the way, these are the things that are like a no-go for me. Another thing that you told us on the Ladies We Need to Talk hotline is that great communication before and during sex is hot. I wish men understood that sex, first and foremost, should always involve an ongoing conversation about what you're into, what you like, what you don't like, what you're capable of. Constantly checking in and being like, are you okay? Does this feel good? I really want to do this to you right now because if you provide an environment where women feel safe, there's no better sex than that. There's so much to be talked about. I I certainly know my gay male friends have those conversations. Are you a top? Are you a bottom? What are you into? But straight people don't have those conversations. 
Even when it's constructive, it's hard not to take feedback personally, and that's because sex is so deeply personal. So how can we give our male partners tips without them getting defensive? Sex therapist Alex Triculia has some suggestions. I think when defensiveness starts to arise, it's good to pause, pause the conversation because someone's got their wall up and you're not going to get through to them with their wall up. The other suggestion I would have there is if someone is becoming defensive, it's to try and be as mindful as possible about the language you're using. So rather than the kind of finger pointing of like, you don't know how to make me orgasm or you never fuck me right or whatever. It's more of like, I noticed that I could be more assertive about how to reach orgasm during partnered sex by doing maybe X, Y, Z, or could we try this? It's a lot more inclusive language, which helps people feel less attacked. And sometimes partners need to understand that intimacy between a couple is about everything that occurs between them, inside and outside the bedroom. Sex doesn't exist inside a bubble. It would be nice if they knew that your emotional actions are connected to the physical response. Like, you know, the things that are going on between times of having sex are actually as important as what's going on during the sexual time. So the fact that like the baby threw up on me between one time and the other is going to affect how sexy I feel later on. I wish that men knew that mainstream porn was not reality. Porn was bound to show up in a conversation about men and sex. This is not true life. It is a movie just the same as going to the cinema and watching a show. It is not true representation. There is an amount of pain, mostly from various things that men do that they think are hot or kinky or they've seen in porn. Porn has, like reflux after a spicy meal, come up again and again. Here is sex and relationships therapist Alex Triculia. So many people are exposed to pornography and it does become a bit of a standard for what sex must look like. A lot of people who listen to this podcast really want men to know that porn is not real sex. Mm. But it's like saying cucumber is not a vegetable, it's a fruit. You know, it it doesn't matter. It's still a vegetable as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) So I think men are the same with porn. It's like that's the only insight that they get into how others have sex. Pornography is like Hollywood movies in comparison. So like when you watch a Mission Impossible movie and Tom Cruise is doing all these crazy stunts and there's CGI and there's bullets flying... You don't look at that and go, I expect that of myself. You can recognise and externalise that this is a fictional story that's been curated for my entertainment. And porn is the exact same thing. Alex, in speaking to women for this podcast over the years, it feels like there's a script that people think they need to follow. Oh my God, yes. I call it the heteronormative sex menu, which is the idea that you have like an entree, which is like kissing maybe some heavy petting. The main is penetration and ejaculation and there's no dessert. (laughs) What? And then I try and reframe (laughs) it as I call it queering sex. So we're taking the heteronormative values society has taught us. 
instead of a heteronormative sex menu, we're looking at it as like a queer sex buffet. And we're going, what is it off this glorious buffet that we'd like to put on our tray for this sexual interaction? Do we want some kissing? Do we want some fingering? Do we want some grinding? Do we want some outer course? So that's where we're, you know, cunnilingus and like oral sex. Do we want penetration of a vagina or an anus? Do we want nipple play? Do we want toys? And so that way you take penetration, ejaculation, orgasm off a pedestal and place it on the table with all the other sexual behaviours that can happen. Sounds really filling and tasty. (laughs) (laughs) What do I wish men knew about sex? I wish that men truly understood that sex does not equal vaginal penetration, full stop. Both parties should be having pleasure and it should be enjoyable for both of them, not just him. I'm a queer woman. I've lamented my whole life that the sex I've had with women has been fucking extraordinary and the sex I've had with men has been utterly mediocre, you know, all about them and their orgasm. Let's talk mutual pleasure. What if your partner isn't invested in you feeling good? I think that's a really hard situation to be in and dependent on the context, I think there are a couple of ways that you can manage that. If you're in a long-term relationship and you feel your partner isn't invested in your pleasure, it's important to sit down and have a conversation around that. I think it's also really important to set boundaries in that context of like, you know, if we're having sex, these are the things that I require. I need X, Y, Z in order to feel satisfied or to even slow things down. I find a lot of people whose partners aren't valuing their pleasure are going through the heteronormative sex menu really fast. And instead you can mix it up by saying, let's not orgasm and ejaculate. Let's just have an erotic interaction. But what if you're single and having hookup sex? How can you make sure your sexual partner is into making you feel good? For people who are in a casual sex context, if someone has said to you that they're not willing to focus on your pleasure or they're actively ignoring the suggestions that you've given them, do you really want to fuck someone like that? Like, it's that simple. Your time is precious. Your body is a temple. This flesh vessel is just worth so much more than some loser that's going to be like, "Mm, not really interested. I just came here to kind of get it done. Is it really worth it? Something else that came up quite a bit in your messages to us was plain old simple cleanliness. Washing your hands before going anywhere near any of our lady parts. I mean, I don't want grotty fingers on my breasts, let alone around my vulva or my vagina. Wanting anal sex and not even thinking about hygiene. There's no way you're going to put it straight in the vagina straight afterwards. You wouldn't think it would be so difficult, would you, to just be clean? I asked comedian Nikki Britton about how hygiene influences her horn. One of the first things I look at is fingernails. I think it's very difficult for a man to comprehend the fact that everything you are is going inside us. I mean, from what I've been told, you, your penises are very robust. You whip them out everywhere. To do away, you, you stick it in stick it in everything. You stick it in all sorts of things. There is a very sensitive little ecosystem. There's a subtle balance that we need to maintain and you just really need to be aware of 
whatever you are, whatever you're bringing in any way is dirty or toxic or difficult, we're copping that. So please wash your hands and your dick. You might have figured out by now that when we put the call out for people to give us input into this episode, we were inundated. Our inbox was, dare I say, rammed, and in a good way. (laughs) Everyone had thoughts, and not just straight women. Nearly all of your messages mentioned that communication is the key to having excellent, transcendent routine. When I look back on all of the times that I have had exquisite, surprising, excellent sex or just intimacy, it has been when there is communication. It's been when I have felt I've been allowed to be goofy, silly, lose control. Such a major thing of a female orgasm is that sense of absolute loss of control and We are never going to feel that if we don't feel safe enough to lose control. It's a gift. Like if a woman allows you to give them an orgasm, it's a fucking gift. You should be, I mean, sure, proud of yourself to a degree, but grateful as hell. Fellas, here's the thing. No one is asking you to be the stunt driver of our sex cars. We don't want that. We don't even like car movies. I mean, obviously I'm generalising here, but trust me, Car movies are stupid. We don't like car movies or golf or pneumatic drills or woodpeckers. Hey, I like woodpeckers. Or reflux. (laughs) What we do like is sex chat. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit of sex chat. We're asking you to let your guard down, be vulnerable, listen, like actually listen, and hopefully learn. We've all got hang-ups, insecurities, please just show up and be a compassionate human being and understand that it's not a competition. You don't have to be the best sex that we've ever had. Let's just be two human beings in this moment seeking a little bit of pleasure. This podcast was produced on the lands of the Gundungurra, Bidjigal and Gadigal peoples. Ladies, We Need to Talk is mixed by Anne-Marie de Betancourt. It's produced by Tamar Cranswick. Supervising producer is Alex Lolbach and our executive producer is Kyla Slavin. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. So if you're a fan of Ladies, We Need to Talk, and let's face it, you probably are if you're here right now, well, you are definitely going to love one of our favourite podcasts. It's called... The Hookup. Okay, so they talk all things sex, love, dating. Host Dee Salmon is here to tell us all about it. Hey, Dee. Hey, Yumi. So we've been talking about what women want men to know about sex, and it's a delicious idea. Can you tell us something that you've discovered recently about dirty talk or not so dirty talk in the bedroom? Yeah, so this was quite new to us, but a lot of people are usually into the whole, you know, who's a naughty girl type chat during sex. But (laughs) something that we've noticed a lot of young people are starting to get into and talking about on TikTok is positive sex talk. So instead of like, you're a bad girl, it's like the opposite? 
Exactly. It's like you're like running a race and they're trying to encourage you. It's like, you're such a good girl. Like you're doing so well. Wow. That's so, it's like your own cheerleader in the bedroom. Exactly. And it's such a trend on TikTok at the moment. And so many people are being like, oh my God, all they need to say is just, you're such a good girl. Absolutely. I'm gone. I'm done for. That's it. <laughs> you have me. I'm all yours. Oh, wow. I know you spoke about anal in one of your episodes, but if you're not keen or comfortable to go the whole way, we actually did an episode about how you might want to try a finger in the bum. We heard from so many of our listeners who said it was the best orgasm of their whole life. You know, fairly early on, had some partners who were super open about it and kind of encouraged me to get into it and have never looked back. And it's yeah, it's unreal. I feel like there are so many men uh, or prostate owners that are really just missing out. I can't help but laugh about that too because I'm picturing them pushing the, the finger in like they're pushing a doorbell. Oh. <laughs> ding dong. Ding, ding, ding. Well, we had like a sexpert on and he basically said that's what you shouldn't be doing. It's like they, they really helped us come up with like techniques to do the classic stroking apparently. It's like called milking your prostate, your pee spot. (laughs) (laughs) You can find the hookup and all of that great content in your ABC Listen app. Thanks, Dee. Thanks, Yumi.